So welcome to the AC Hive podcast. I'm Ralph Montague. I'm a director at ArcDocs, uh, one of the founders of AC Hive. And I'm joined today with John Egan, fellow co-founder of the AC Hive and CEO of BIM Launcher. John, do you want to introduce yourself? Hi, thank you. I've done a, a fair, a fair overview <laughs> of me there. Okay, we're very excited today uh, to have two very special guests who are literally builders of communities in the AEC sector, which is amazing. It's exactly what AEC Hive is attempting to do. So uh, Adam Menta and Rachel Hartley are both program managers of the Autodesk Group Network. And we're really excited to have you with us today and to speak about innovation in the AEC sector and building a community within that sector that is pushing innovation. So welcome, both of you. Would you like to introduce yourselves and give us a little bit of background about each of your careers and how you got to this amazing position? Yeah, definitely. Thank you, Ralph and John, for having us. It's a really exciting opportunity, I think, to share and uh, looking forward to see where this conversation goes. So I am Rachel Hartley, and I um, joined Autodesk about uh, just eight months ago um, to build the Autodesk Group Network program. Um, I come from a marketing uh, business background for my undergrad at The Ohio State University and studied a design thinking minor as well. So it's been a really unique opportunity to step into this community space and the AEC industry among the other industries that Autodesk serves to apply apply my background into building communities. So um, I, I am just entering the space, but learning quickly and I think bringing a very unique perspective to collaboration and community building in the AEC industry. I'm Adam. I've worked at Autodesk for actually about 10 years, um, and I, I started at Autodesk working in the sustainable the sustainability group, working on sustainable design education. So some projects that I've worked on that some of your listeners might be familiar with is the Autodesk Sustainability Workshop, where we were teaching sustainable design workflows. That included the Building Performance Analysis Certificate Program. I've also worked on Autodesk University, specifically uh, online platforms for Autodesk University. By working on learning, I really got into community, a really core way that people learn and way that people connect and are motivated to learn. Um, so it's been really wonderful to build the Autodesk Group Network program with Rachel over the past year. That's excellent. Well done. I mean, that's quite interesting. The, the, what we want to talk about today is the challenge of innovation in the AEC sector. And by that, I mean, is innovation in the AEC sector is quite low, or formal in innovation anyway. I mean, the, the sector is innovative in what it does. I mean, in, in, in terms of building buildings and other incredible pieces of infrastructure, you know, that innovation tends to happen at a project level uh, and not uh, across the sector in general. So, Rachel, like maybe one of the first questions, because you're new to this sector, you come from a, a different background in marketing and, and various other things, and what's your initial experience of this sector? Do you see it as a highly innovative sector, or do you share views about the struggles? Yeah, I mean, I think coming at it with this new perspective, I see it as a spectrum of how people are engaging and innovating in the AEC, because I think there are the top innovators, I think, like yourself, who are building these communities and really pushing um, to get standards or, you know, new processes and workflows and um, innovating in that sense. But I think there are a lot of barriers to building these communities and having it expand out of 
you know, your like niche local area or the region that you are in. So I think being able to lower some of those barriers and one understanding like what those barriers to innovation are. And then I think that's why I'm really excited working on the Autodesk Group Network program because we're in a unique position to see all of that activity that's happening and then um, helping, you know, support and empower the community in the right ways that they need to um, once we really learn and evolve to understand what those barriers are. And, and Adam, <clears throat> I mean, you have a different perspective. So you, you, you come from a very technical engineering background and, you know, sustainability analysis, which is quite innovative in itself that we you know, do these thorough investigations into you know, how buildings and pieces of infrastructure might perform you know, once, once constructed. So I suppose you do see at, at that end like lots of innovation happening, but what's your sense of the general sector, like having been involved with Autodesk for you know, that many years? So I have a mechanical engineering degree. I've never worked in the uh, building sector directly. It's, it's my interaction with it has been through Autodesk and I did dive into, you know, all the workflows that Autodesk offered for green building design in, in my work on the sustainability team. And I saw a disconnect between what the tools were capable of and what firms actually had the appetite and time to do. It's not a technology problem. And I, I think one of the things I've learned by sort of being adjacent to this industry and doing actually a lot of customer research to try to understand customer problems is that it's such it's such a complex ecosystem for the way work gets done. There's, you know, nested scales of organizations with legal contracts and everybody's trying to um, reduce their risk. And then you've got new technology that has this potential to open up new ways of working. And then it runs into that whole ecosystem, including, for example, hierarchies and power structures within within companies and older people within the organization or, or sort of more director level folks that May, may not understand like the potential of technology. And uh, so, you know, I, in my career at Autodesk, I've sort of, I've had an affinity towards the people that are really pushing the boundaries. And a lot of those people end up feeling pretty disempowered within these structures. Um, so end up popping out of them. Yeah, and, it's a shame. You know, and, it, and I think that it's, there's this incredible potential and Autodesk tools can do a lot. And it's been really interesting to see you know, what Autodesk is saying is, is possible and like what everybody should be doing in industry and like basically like the marketing getting ahead of where the industry is, like with BIM, for example. I, I, my time here has sort of been, I've seen the explosion of BIM, but I also have seen backlash against it um, because the promise of BIM and then the reality of it working in these and these complex environments is causes a little dissonance. So I, I'm actually really happy to be working in community where we can, you know, because I think that there actually is something really healthy about showing the promise and the potential, but then working with real people on the ground to to realize that potential. Actually, I think community is a, a wonderful place where that can happen. Yeah, I mean that that's an interesting perspective. You know, there's disconnect between the the capability of the technologies that are already available. So, I mean, they don't even need to be invented. They're already there. <laughs> and then the actual way people are working. And and climate and sustainability are probably one of the biggest challenges uh, the world faces and our sector faces. As a sector, we're incredibly um, 
wasteful in the way we do things and 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 harmful to the environment i mean the construction sector is responsible for you know, i think it's 40% of the co2 emissions continuously use uh, very environmentally harmful processes to make materials and then end up wasting most of those materials and putting them back in the ground you know and the, the industry is slow and it's expensive because of the complex structures you you mentioned there so i mean that's one of the things that john and i are trying to tackle through this group maybe the innovations are not about inventing new technologies but the innovations are using existing technologies in new ways so so that's a really interesting yeah. point you made i think yeah i think it's it's really interesting um adam that you've raised the point that there is a huge disconnect between the way that the industry operates today. So like in past podcasts, we've had discussions that have come to the conclusion that um, construction has its own ecosystem. It has its own, it's almost has its own economy. It has its own environment and doesn't really operate in a very logical, logical way. Um, you know, especially for newcomers to the industry and at the end of the last podcast, I even came to the conclusion of saying, look, I'm actually feeling um, disempowered by the industry. And I would think that I've been working at the forefront of solutions development, at least as far as far as I'm concerned, with at least trying out testing and bringing new, um, new and emerging technologies to the market. It's really interesting that obviously you've you've identified that people are taking a step back from this industry practice. And I'm wondering, like, do you have any insight or, you know, idea or predictions about how how we can bring people back into the industry and start to, I suppose, leapfrog this idea of innovation within the industry? It's a really interesting question. Um, again, like, you know, I'll, I'll caveat my answer by saying that I'm at least one step removed from, from the, how this work happens on the ground. But one thing I'd say is that I'd be pretty hesitant to say that uh, the construction industry is not logical. I think it has a different logic and part of becoming a more innovative and connected industry is to, is for each different party in the ecosystem to understand the logic of, of the other. Because, you know, humans are actually really good making decisions based on the environments that they're in. The environments that um, construction firms are in might be very different than the environments that you're in. And I think architects, architects have a brilliant ability to create space and structures for other, for people. I mean, that's kind of what architecture is. But I'd be wary of, you know, an architect trying to architect how construction should be done without a more equal coming together. There's so much expertise embedded within, you know, the boots on the ground people in this process. Um, and we talk about being disempowered. It's like those people, how can, how can we have information flowing up from construction in ways where they feel like they're, you know, not just robotic arm of an architect in an ivory tower? With regards to what, what I meant by logic there, what I was talking about was common sense logic and really the non-intuitiveness of the relationships of different actors in the construction industry. So, for yeah. instance, 
with regards to let's talk about making the design process more efficient to the logical person in, in the context of I'm talking about logic that would bring um, you know a higher a higher level of productivity it would become less wasteful would result in a less wasteful process and what I mean there is the people or that are making these decisions or that are kind of trying to innovate within the industry have to almost take into account that the architect gets paid their fee by maybe their hourly, the the amount of days that they spend on the project. So really, yes, a certain innovation might be more productive and less wasteful, but equally it might be adopted by the architect because it might take away from their value add to the project. So, just to bring the conversation around to community building, you know, like one of the very obvious things about the AEC sector is that over the years it has become more and more fragmented and specialized and therefore siloed. You know, so people have very specialized functions within the, the overall process. And sometimes that's all they're focused on is is their specialized function without really considering completely the the whole process from end to end in, in a kind of loose discussion. So community and collaboration are challenged, I think, in the sector, in that environment. And people, um, because they're operating in their silos and often in competition with their peers, let's just say that doesn't really help community building <laughs> or sharing of information or strong collaboration. Yeah, so I suppose that's one of the things we're trying to do is break that model slightly by trying to get people talking to each other in little work groups, uh, you know, non-threatening environments where they feel comfortable to to share their knowledge, share what they're doing, share their their pain that they're experiencing and their problems, you know, discuss um, potential solutions with people out, maybe outside of their silo. Um, so, so it's great what you guys are doing, you know, with the Autodesk community program and the, the Autodesk group network, because you know that's exactly what you're promoting is to build this global network of those types of people who are willing to get together and share and speak and. What are the aspirations of the the big thing you're trying to yeah. achieve? What, what problem are you trying to solve? <laughs> I mean, honestly, uh, I think you, you teed it up really great right there. Um, just to give the full envision of the group network, it's really where a world uh, where people connect in community to share knowledge and collaborate across firms and industries to improve the use of design technology and make a better world. So, I mean, I see this alignment you know, directly with the AEC Hive and what you all are trying to do. I think we are working on, um, you know, last year was really setting the foundation of the program and getting our handle on building relationships with our user groups and online uh, virtual group leaders who are building these communities. And then this year, it's really on scaling those relationships, deepening those with the top leaders that are um, managing and building these communities and scaling our offerings to have uh, tangible support and tools that we can give 
Sorry, Rachel. Um, sorry for interrupting you there. My connection cut out and I thought that you had stopped um, talking. <laughs> so, no worries. So, what a, yeah, you really, you, you triggered um, something with me there when you talked about providing tools and, um, you know, providing a platform to the community. I'd be really interested in, in what you're working on to date and how you see that maturing. And, I mean, the drivers behind um, putting those tools in place? Yeah. Um, so what we have currently is um, one, a um, group leader hub. And so when a group leader adds their group or community into the group network, they are added to this conversation space where they can pose questions um, to other group leaders. Um, we've seen a lot more engagement recently um, on people, you know, they're like, hey, we have less um, engagement or we don't know how to spur a conversation between our members, have that two-way dialogue facilitation. Does anyone have, you know, tips and tricks on this? Um, so it's at that level of having group leaders communicating on that peer-to-peer -peer level. Um, I think it's also been a great space for now to collect uh, best practices and resources um, that our most experienced groups have created over the years. Uh, for example, the UK Dynamo user group is one of the most mature uh, groups that is really um, having that collaboration uh, across AEC as the committee members come from, you know, all different industry backgrounds. Um, but I think that contributes to the su success of their group and the quality of their presentations. And so having their resources and their best practices, we're able to give that to other group leaders um, through this group leader hub. I think there's also uh, tangible resources that we are working on building and fine tuning on helping launch a new group. So what does it take to build a community? What are the things you should be considering? How do you like what website do you get up? What are live streaming tools? Things of that nature. And so at the ground that can spur new communities uh, to be built with kind of a step by step guide to, to get going there. You know, a lot of the stuff that Rachel is talking about is is really just meeting groups where they are and and providing tools that will help them be successful with their groups kind of on their terms. We're also really trying to connect with industry leaders and group like groups that are trying to do interesting things. Um, so I, I'd actually, you know, I'd put AEC Hive in that camp of. You know, how can people come together and not just share knowledge, but actually build things together? And how can groups start to be more involved with explicit industry efforts like building smart? That, that's a space that we're really curious about um, and might be you know, part of the adjacent possible of, of kind of helping more tangibly in, in those areas and, and helping that, that type of work happen in community. Um, but we're, that's, that's more of a sort of next year thing, I'd guess, because there's a lot of just basic groundwork that we're really still setting. Yeah. So, and I think, I mean, that's an interesting point you made there, Adam. You know, just this, this idea of people coming together and not just presenting stuff they're doing at the moment, but test ideas and try and make things. And I was actually just thinking there, you, you mentioned earlier about all the amazing technology that Autodesk has, which is being underused and, and, and probably being underused because people don't know, A, it exists, and 
because they haven't got the time to sort of explore and test and unaware of what it can do. So I think I often see this. People come together and they almost reinventing the wheel because, you know, they think I have this problem. I'm trying to solve this problem. And my current set of tools that I have doesn't seem to to deal with that. And so let, let me go off and make a new tool. Meanwhile, <laughs> it probably exists already. You know, I'm just wondering what sort of role the the Autodesk group network and community could play in getting the message out there of what the capabilities already exist and are available. And, and you know, how can people uh, explore those without you know, committing to purchasing a license up front for trying to test it? You know, is it is it that that um, yeah. some of the Autodesk technical experts, yeah, you know, with the, the the knowledge, have to engage with these activities and communities, and you know, show, you know sort of show their wares or thinking. I think it's I think it's an interest. It's that we're really taking a really um, balanced approach to this because I think when Autodesk steps into the space too much. Um, it becomes more of, you know, that marketing sales pitch where, you know, that will instantly kill and die out a community. But it is important to have good connections with product teams and being able to listen and understand what these challenges are directly from the customers or, you know, these people that are engaging in these communities. And then having that be valuable feedback that goes into the product team's and then is creating, you know, giving better answers to what that challenge or, you know, where they're stuck in a workflow. So I think that is a value add way and a relationship that we can work on bridging. So I really see us and the group network as like a connector between people and, you know, just connecting the dots. We're at a unique position to see the high level and get the right people talking. And so I think that is kind of our role, one of our roles in helping people solve or work through those challenges. Like a really good example is the, um, you know, the Forge team have these accelerator programs, you know, where people, they get, people get, it's like a week long hackathon, if you like. (laughs) Now, obviously that's, that's a, that's an Autodesk event where people are coming and focusing on a, <clears throat> a particular Autodesk product. But I was wondering, just, you know, it, there might be times where you need to flip that around and say, instead of having an Autodesk event focused on one product, maybe an Autodesk person with some expertise needs to participate in a more open, non-vendor-focused Autodesk. event. Yeah. yeah. We see, like, um, for example, uh, you know, going back to the UK Dynamo user group, They've hosted, you know, hackathons in the past and, you know, they work closely with the Dynamo product team um, now with us and even the Forge Accelerator communities and trying to see how, how can Forge be involved in their hackathon that they are hosting? Is it as, you know, judges or just really sitting in and listening to what's everyone proposing? What did they build during the time? What are new ideas that are there? And I think just at that level, that is really powerful and the a strong and healthy and successful relationship between the community between you know product teams and even with us as the group network just entering you know that that ecosystem 
or even participating. Like, I mean, the the format of the AEC Hive events is people forming these little work groups and coming together, and you know, just for a sort of an intense day of testing out an idea. It doesn't, it doesn't have to be technology. It could be around process. It could be around uh, understanding new ways of working or you know, workflows, anything. Yeah, but it would be great to see amongst that some of the, the Autodesk people with the, these great tools that you're talking about and, you know, the expertise participating somehow with those work groups, whether it's set, being one of the work groups doing something so that other people can see it as well, but or even just individuals participating in, in some of the work groups that are formed and bringing some solutions to those. Absolutely. I think one of, you know, we talked about the potential of the group network to bridge outside of Autodesk. It actually also has a potential to bridge groups and functions inside of Autodesk. So oftentimes the people that are most effective at doing that kind of work in the community, they may not know about the opportunities, may not be part of their goals for the quarter, that sort of thing. So that's the type of internal change and awareness that will be looking to, to catalyze within Autodesk. And John and I have had a lot of discussions about this idea of community building. And I mean, the 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 reason we came up with this AEC Hive, you know, to be, we were talking about, you know, how swarms work, where you know, whether whether it's bees or birds or whatever, you know, where in, individuals come together as as a group, then they have a lot more dynamic than you know individuals sitting at home trying things out. So it was this coming together, and then yeah, you know, we we also had this image of tribes. You know, when when a, a tribe functions as a community, they they become stronger together than they do as as individuals. And uh, and within that sort of tribe image, you have people of different capabilities, different expertise, uh, but they're all supporting each other, and you have a, a healthy tribe. You know, they, they, they're looking out for each other and they're trying to help each other and there's a, a sharing and there's a, a strong collaboration and there's an appreciation for the different levels of expertise people bring. And if you have an unhealthy community, then, you know, people are, are more selfish and they're more closed and trying to keep mm-hmm. things to themselves. And just in terms of building community, and I'm, I'm sure you thought about these things as well, what sort of uh, advice could you give AEC Hive, which is a very new initiative, um, about you know, building this kind of culture, if you like, of sharing, collaboration, appreciation for people's uh, talents and skills? And yeah, I mean, I think the level of keeping that culture in you know a healthy community space, I think it's being really in tune with who your members are and who you have coming and reaching out and participating in, you know, your community space. I think when you lose sight of, you know, what skill level your members at or what experience and expertise, um, industry backgrounds, you can leave people out. I think from what I've seen so far with groups that we've interacted with in the network, there are some that have grown, you know, starting at a very beginner beginner level and then they move and evolve really fast where now it's you know at that top level of experience definitely considered experts and when new members try to come in and join 
it's just way too over their head. You know, they, there's, they can't even engage in the conversation. They feel disempowered. Um, they already feel behind. So it's really, I think having a delicate approach to driving engagement and presentations or, uh, just information that can cater to all the different levels of experience. What do you think, Adam? Is is community a culture thing, uh, and, and is innovation a culture thing that has to be to grow? Yeah, I, I think it's a cultural thing. One one thing I'd add, I I really liked Rachel's answer around making sure that you're understanding where everyone in the community is and you're nurturing folks along. I think another thing that's really important is to understand people's goals and understand where those goals are similar. And, you know, where those goals are similar, these types of community spaces can create structure to do work together or to support each other. And that that I think is one of the you know, founding values and the way and the way value flows within structures like a tribe um, is how, how are we stronger together? And, you know, another thing about tribes is that they're together for the long haul in a way. Um, and that's actually one of the things that's been really inspiring for me about working with within the Autodesk community is that there's a lot of people that have been part of this community for a long time and, the, and they do act like a tribe and they help each other out and they know each other. Um, and so how can you foster that type of um, environment and sort of su- supportive? How are people supporting each other? How are people contributing to each other's projects and goals in ways that really add value to each individual member? Because it's, you know, it's all it's a it's a lot about relationships and it's mm-hmm. a lot about helping people tap into their goals and their purpose and when, and, and when that stuff is working it's it, it's actually magical I mean, what's been great what you guys have been doing with the program in the last i don't know when when the program started but was it 18 months ago or um we had the official launch in november at yeah. um autodesk university las vegas but um in April was when we started, uh, we would say, I guess, a bit of a soft launch, yeah. having engaging with groups. Um, yeah. in a what, what's been way. great to see, like, and what you guys have been doing is this, this con- firstly, this connecting of, of groups. So, I mean, we obviously have a few groups in, in Ireland, but, so, you know, and all these groups are, are, are sort of operating independently, but you've, you've created those connections, which is firstly fantastic. And, uh, and then you've been listening as well. I think the, you had a great event at AU last year, you know, getting feedback from people. You know, what are your plans this year? Are you doing more of those connecting the dot events? Yeah, AU, I mean, AU London. We, AU? Yeah, AU London. We, um, definitely will be hosting a similar meetup. Um, I also have submitted a proposal to have a panel. Um, specifically to building and leading, you know, successful user group communities would really hope that brings to light maybe some new groups or surfaces a motivation for people to maybe start and lead a new community. Um, So I think those are two specific to AU London. I think we will also be looking at expanding and scaling our offerings as program benefits go. And so seeing what type of tools or investments in our platform that we can be making that will 
advance the promotion of group events and how you as group leaders are communicating uh, with your community members. And those would be, I think, two top of mind uh, growth of the network. Mm. Adam, do you have any additions? The only thing I'd add is I think we're looking for opportunities to help co-host spaces and events. So the hackathon associated with Autodesk University events is something that I think we're pretty interested in. But uh, sort of as you were alluding to earlier, Ralph, how can we create that as a space that's not Autodesk only space and it's really co-hosted by communities in the wild based on industry needs out there? Well, I suppose um, that is the challenge, I suppose, for the vendors, because you are in competition with each other. <laughs> but but the market, I suppose, is is looking for you know what best solutions out there, uh, rather than being too vendor focused. Yeah, that's one thing that we actually changed in the even legal terms for the group network when we had an you know initial program around user groups at Autodesk. It was pretty explicit that you could only talk about Autodesk technologies, and we've opened that up because we recognize that Autodesk technology is always used within ecosystems that involve other tools. And if we're trying to limit conversation to only Autodesk technology, we're actually operating in a fictional world. Which is great. I think that's uh, a good approach, being, being open. John's a, a big uh, open source advocate. Yeah. Do you have any thoughts on that? Yeah, thank you. I think you, you, your last comment there, Adam, about like ecosystems and not just containing Autodesk products, a very important one. I think that, you know, to go back to Ralph's point about this this um, idea of tribes and people coming together to work with one another around, you know, a common set of shared goals um, to do something better uh, will more than likely involve other products that could be um, competitors, it could be you know, new emerging technologies, whatever it may be. I'm just wondering, uh, how is Autodesk and the Autodesk Group Network making sufficient precautions to not try to own the community and try and neutralize the community, neutralize it enough so that anybody feels that they can they can can engage without feeling like they're just a cog within the Autodesk marketing machine? I think that is a very valid question because when, like, I guess I will preface and start it with when we, before we even fully built the program, we, you know, engaged with 16 or so group leaders and asked them, like, is this a space that we should be entering? Um, how should we be supporting so that the power is still in the community? It is still led by the community and Autodesk is just, you know, a supporting uh, leg and arm to your efforts. And so that is really the foundation and mindset that we have been taking this entire time as we continue to build out the program. And what we will always anchor back to is that, you know, the control is within the community and how it's um, led and run. So, you know, we we offer, you know, different affiliation or, you know, program branding that you can groups can add to their community if they wish. But it's not it's not something that is required. And so I think it's just continually to listen to our community group leaders and hear what they want and how we should be stepping in. 
and then letting them um, choose how they articulate that out and present Autodesk support and their affiliation to the group network. Okay, so just to clarify there, the group, the group network are groups that support Autodesk products or are they a range of different groups from within and in Autodesk and outside Autodesk? Yeah, so the group network is a global network of all of our user groups, developer groups, and online groups. And this can be customer-led, it can be led by partner channels and resellers, or it could be led by, you know, internal Autodesk teams, such as the virtual webinars. So the majority of our groups are customer-led, but it's just a network of each of these individual user communities. And I think that what Rachel was saying in terms of the genesis of the program is, I think in my mind, pretty important in terms of the, the roots of this program really come from how do we support group leaders and how do we support them to meet their goals? Um, and if, if we anchor to that, I think that there's a pretty strong chance that we're going to be adding value to the community and to the industry. And, and so I think a lot of it comes down to maintaining that ethos and then setting the cultural tone for how this program works, um, both in the community and, um, and within Autodesk. And actually, I'd say one important aspect of that actually is that Rachel and I like this program and we like working mm-hmm. together. And that's the same type of dynamic that we see out in the, in groups that are, that are successful is that they like the things that they're doing and they like working together. So the more that we can keep that up, I think the, the more natural that dynamic will be. Like obviously the group network has a, a marketing function. In other words, it's, it's, it's there to connect with the customers and, and get feedback. And, but it, it also has an education function of helping to, in connecting all these groups, you're helping people to learn from each other. So which division the group network falls under marketing or, or education or both or, for instance, I know there's a lot of interesting educational material that, that Autodesk produces, you know, which often doesn't make its way to the market because people are unaware of, uh, of what's available and, and where it is. And so do you see yourselves having a marketing and education function or is it one stronger than the other? So we, we actually sit um, within our platform team, interestingly enough, where um, we're aligned with the Autodesk forums and the um, Autodesk Knowledge Network and the Expert Elite program. And so those are who we're tied uh, in the org closely with. I personally see us in, in between, you know, this um, help, learning, support and marketing. So I really just find us kind of right in the middle. And again, it just goes back to being that connection point between between the two departments. I have a different perspective on that. No, I think you I think you said it really well. <laughs> <laughs> I wanted to talk a little bit about the value of innovation. Um, you know, in the AEC sector, you know, I think the investment into innovation is very low. It's probably one or two percent, you know, of GDP or turnover. So, you know, so it's in most people's minds in the AEC sector. Obviously, that means innovation is not seen as something valuable that's worth investing in time into or money into. I, I wondered if either of you had 
some thoughts on the value of innovation and what what people should be doing to rethink the value of innovation. I've thought a lot about innovation within Autodesk. What are the ways that we're good at innovating? What are the ways that we're not good at innovating? Um, and actually increasingly outside of Autodesk too. So I actually did a co-presentation on innovation and BIM with uh, some folks from Foster and Partners at the Autodesk University last year. I can send you all the link to that presentation. But I think in that presentation, what I learned from Foster and Partners is that that's a very innovative firm within the AEC world. And in order for them to really invest in innovation, showing the connection to business value and in terms of improved project outcome, more effective use of resources, that that sort of thing, even at a place like Foster and Partners, is you know table stakes for investing in innovation. So it's like getting good at really anchoring to, all right, we want to innovate in this direction. How's that going to help the top line, the bottom line, and the people within these structures? Yeah, but I mean, I suppose Foster's wouldn't be a yeah, the, the norm. I mean, they are, as you say, a very innovative company. Um, but right. I was just wonder, how, wonder, how, how do we get the, you know, the majority <laughs> of companies in the sector who, who you know, don't really consider the value of innovation, you know, the message that innovation is something that's important to do and, uh, you know, and it, and it has value. It's worth investing time and money into to finding new and better ways of doing things. I mean, I think I think there's always going to be people on the leading edge of innovation, and there's always going to it's it's the diffusion of innovation curve. Actually, there's a wonderful yeah. book about this. Crossing uh, yeah, the chasm. I mean, exactly, and you know, even even within Foster and Partners, a lot of the things that we were talking about and exploring in that presentation, you know, how do you structure teams? How do you create documentation? How do you understand analytics? Which are which are things that every firm is working on. And any thoughts from your side, Rachel, the value of innovation? I was just going to reiterate on the fact of that it really goes down to showing the value and how, like the people who are making those decisions on investing in innovation or not. Um, it's how how do you help them see the value of it? And, and you know, Adam and the work that he's been doing with Fosters and Partner on you know that innovation. It gets down to at a level for all firms, um, and I think all of those um, apply uh, and can be added to, you know, show show that value. So we've come to the hour. Are there any final thoughts from either of you, or John as well? No, the, no final questions. I'd just like to thank Adam and Rachel uh, for joining us and sharing um, a bit more about how they're developing the culture of sharing collaboration and how they're showing their appreciation to people, uh, talent and skills involved within their Autodesk group network. It's really exciting and I wish you all the best. Yeah, thank you, John and Ralph. Uh, It's been a really great conversation today. And, you know, I think we're aligned and really rooted in solving a lot of the similar issues and always have people at the center so, um, yeah, it's been been a great conversation today. Thanks so much for the opportunity and the platform to um, to talk and be in conversation. And I would encourage any of your listeners to reach out to us. And a big thank you from from my side. I think it's been a really interesting conversation. And, um, you know, the takeaways for me, like, I, I really like the point you made, Adam, about the disconnect between the capability of, of 
the technical tools that are available at the moment and the use of those tools in the industry. You know, that's something I think we need to, to think about and how do we close that gap. And I, I'm just seeing myself that a lot of people are putting a huge amount of time and effort into reinventing the wheel often because they're unaware of what's what's out there and what's available. I spend a lot of time in the standards world and you know people keep reinventing the wheel when there's industry recognized standards available for the things they're trying to solve. So thank you both for, for your time and um, we'll keep in touch. Thanks very much. Awesome. Thanks guys.